Hello, and welcome to Jenny, the Jennifer Magazine podcast, where we're elevating wisdom as a lifestyle. I'm your host, Jen Cooper, the founder of Jennifer. If this is your first time here, welcome. If you're returning, I want to address something. You may have noticed I've been trying out new taglines, explanations, uh, sound bites about what we're doing. Here's the thing. I've realized that I've fallen victim to the machines of insecurity, algorithms, marketing, all of that stuff we're trying to unlearn here. You know, the things that keep us small, confused, and easily manageable. What can I say? I'm human. And like everyone else, I'm learning as I go through life. And one thing I've learned is that it's so much better to do life together. Nice segue, right? And today, that's exactly what we're doing. My guest today is artist, podcaster, and Jennifer Magazine's culture contributor, Julia Washington. We're talking about, well, everything, including the culture that shaped us, the people who hold our communities together. And we touch on the challenges so many face when they don't quite fit into quote-unquote conventional culture. You know, the outliers that entertain us, delight us, and sometimes confuse us. People who may never know their names are on our lips decades later. Basically, these are the folks outside of pop culture who leave a small town legacy behind. Okay, two quick notes. One, uh, I speak kind of fast. Clearly, I had coffee before this conversation. Just go with it. And two, uh, Julie and I dive right in. But you're used to that by now. And with that, let's go. I am doing the job of like 15 people. This is not uncommon in this era, right? right? We're all doing the job of like 15, 20 people. And we're like, why am I never on time? Why am I like, why is my grooming not up to snuff? Right. Oh, right. Because... This is a this is an untenable situation that that we're all being forced. I mean, I guess we could opt out, but I don't know what that then, looks like. And then the things don't get done. My friend and I were talking about how like there's this creator, a podcast creator we really, really love and we support and we just love her work, but she can record and then go because she's got a team. So she turns out a lot of really great content because her focus is the content, just like the meat of it. Whereas my friend and I have to worry about, okay, so we have the meat, but then now we have to edit. And then now we have to do like, we have to book the get, like we're doing every step of the way that is normally a team of people. And it gets really hard after a while. Cause then you're just like, why am I not more successful? And it's like, well, you're doing 37 people's job. Right. (laughs) Right, exactly. And I I often wonder about people like that. Do they come from money? Do they charge? Yeah. Like, what is it? What is it that they have? Because one of the saddest things that has happened to me (laughs) as I've gotten older is that the curtain has been pulled back, like the Mm -hmm. Wizard of Oz, like the curtains pulled back. And every time I do a dive into when somebody has like a seemingly, you know, a team. Yeah. Oh, they came from wealth. Mm-hmm. it's so different like it's so, so I am comparing myself to somebody who came from wealth and like yeah I don't know. And if, if the American and dream the- were real and like people like us who are just working 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 grinding 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 we would have the I mean not that I'm trying to take that away from them 
but I'm just no, saying- but it does make a big difference. Like if we could just be honest about it, right? Like, I'm sorry. Like if I have to sit through one more story about how, you know, whoever, whichever tech genius it was who started out of a garage, it's like, oh, fuck off. <laughs> like, right? Like, no, he, they didn't start like, sure. Yeah. Like it would be like similar to my son, except that we have no money and I don't sit on any advantageous boards for me to be like, listen to my kid's idea. Right. Right. Like, so tell me about, so this podcaster that you love and she's got a team good for her. First of all, celebrate, right? Yes. I'm not taken away. I just, I'm understanding. (laughs) So, so does she charge? Does she like, how does, how does she do this? So I will say she did probably, she did come from a whole lot of nothing, but she had a whole lot of family support, which I think also makes a big difference, Mm -hmm. but she has a Patreon that we're both members of. And I did the math and I was like, oh, she makes a lot of money from Patreon. Like she could quit her day job if she wanted to with the amount of money she makes from Patreon, which is the dream. (laughs) The dream. Mm -hmm. Good for her. Yeah. It's really impressive, but we also have to remind ourselves, like my friend and I, she has editors, she has an executive producer, yeah. you know, she, she made connections. She networked in a way that was really to her benefit. Mm-hmm. And when you don't live somewhere that has a really great industry that has yeah. the industry there that you're trying to break into, it can be really, really hard. I, I totally agree. Cause the internet has opened up so many doors, right? It's opened mm-hmm. up so many pathways, but still They did some research, some study. I don't even know where it was, but people can Google it. I don't know. Your rate of success or your ability to achieve like financial, let's say financial or power success, right? Because Mm -hmm. success can be a lot of different looks for different people. But in order to do that, what we traditionally think of traditional success, it has to do with your network. So Mm -hmm. these Ivy League schools, people come out with a network already. That's why, you know, people put their kids into private school and we get this drain of people who have the haves from the have nots. And that's what happens. And we end up in this society. The one thing that I found valuable from The View in the last 10 years was Joy Behar saying, imagine if Jackson Pollock lived in Nebraska, like the art world would have been affected so differently. And that really stuck with me because I was like, yeah, I kind of live in the Midwest of California. Like there's only so much you can achieve here. And there's so much gatekeeping here. I mean, there's gatekeeping everywhere, but when your city is only like a hundred thousand people, there's not a whole lot that you can do to break down that gate. Yeah. You can try, you know, you can do what you can, but it's, it's, it still takes somebody going, yeah, okay. I'll let you in. Yeah. Yeah. And imagine that person being like, oh yeah, I'm going to give up some of their, my power, my prestige, my whatever mm-hmm. to help you. Yeah. I mean, people, I don't even think they understand what, how that would help somebody because they've not lived the life of like looking up or looking in or, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So it's just, they're, they're just not going to understand. So I don't even know if I can hold them to that level of, uh, you know, angelness, <laughs> right? Was, well, like, I don't even know if I could do that because their experience is completely different. Totally. And it's also like another thing that Natalie and I talk about too, is the difference between Britney Spears and Taylor Swift. Britney Spears had parents who totally took advantage of a talented child and drained her dry and basically like destroyed her. And now she's rebuilding at 42 years old versus Taylor Swift's parents who are like, okay, we're going to throw 
the support behind you and we're going to look out for you. We have the resources, we have the network, but we're going to support you and protect you. Like, and now Taylor Swift's one of the most influential people in the world, regardless of whether or not there was financials behind the families, just that emotional support being so different makes a huge difference too. in in the success rate. Yeah. If we're talking about all of those things, right? So like, yeah mental health, abuse, mm-hmm. all of those things that I keep going back to this idea that we all contain multiple identities, right? And I know that's something that you always talk about, but like, you can't judge it just looking at somebody like, are you rural? Are you city? Are you connected? Yeah. Are you not connected? Did you have, you know, a healthy parenting? Did you grow up in a healthy house? Did you grow up in like, there are so many different things that I've gotten into this whole idea of like, social media has flattened everything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so um, maybe it's always been that way, but it just feels heightened now. Like we expect so much out of people and we don't know anything about them. Yeah. We imagine a lot. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that's like when I said the curtain behind Oz, like I think, oh, everybody's like me, everybody, you know, and this American dream, like they're working really hard. And then I'm like, oh, it's not like that. (laughs) No, it's not. I'm 100%. So I rent for my parents. I'm 100% taking advantage of that right now because like finding steady income has been really hard, all these things that I'm just like, you know what I'm going to do instead? My parents are letting me live here. I do pay rent. It's not market value. I'm going to take advantage of that and invest in myself and double down and see what I can do in a year. (laughs) I mean, do, do the Taylor uh, Swift version, right? That's what you're doing. So speaking of where you are and where you grew up, so you grew up, you mentioned you grew up in the central Valley. Mm -hmm. Now I've heard mixed things about the central Valley of California. So I'm just curious what your experience was and you know, what you love about it, what you hate about it um, or, or wish you know what? That's such a just strong, loaded word. How about what you would like to see change about it, improve upon it? Yeah. Um, you mentioned just a, a minute ago that it's kind of disconnected. Yeah, we're, the Central Valley is definitely, I like to call it the Midwest of California because people assume California is like beaches and sunshine, San Francisco or L.A., which they're like eight hours apart, six hours apart, depending on which highway you take. So it's very different culturally. The 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 Central Valley is a very interesting place to live. It's very ag heavy. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of agriculture between what is known as the Grapevine and Sacramento, which is considered the Great Valley. That's what they call it. And being in a mixed race family in the Central Valley in this well, I didn't come around until the 80s, but my siblings were the 70s, but my parents were married in 71. So it was definitely an experience. <laughs> there wasn't a lot of diversity here. I mean, there was, but there wasn't. So, you know, there's a large white population. There's a large, the data calls it Hispanic. So that's how I'm going to refer to it, even though right. I know that there's the use of Latino and Latina, but all of the data that we received about our demographics refer to that population as Hispanic. So that is how I will say it. The Hispanic population is also large. So you have some years it's 48% white, 48% Hispanic. And then that rest of the percentage is like everything else. And there's a lot of that everything else, but it is a small everything else, right? So like when you really break it down, it's like, I think when I was a kid, the population of my county was 2% black. And your dad is black. (laughs) This is not right. a lot, right? right. It's right. like 
it really rings true to the whole like oh all black people know each other because it's we're only two percent of the county <laughs> like you can't avoid it like, yeah you know so i grew up in a place that was very agriculturally heavy and so i grew up and the nickname for my county was cow county and also you know i i'm from maryland i grew up in maryland and so nobody knows where it is so like when people think of like california they think of like san francisco or la and they think sunny mm-hmm. and beaches nobody even thinks about maryland yeah. <laughs> poor maryland no they're like what where and i'm like oh dc and they're like oh yes 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 somewhere in the middle over there yeah yeah that's pretty much it so the place i grew up in um i actually just looked at the census data because some things were happening with like moms for liberty there and i'm like mm. what's going on and i like yeah. you know, i knew it was like i knew it was all white when i was growing up like majority white but like when i see the demographics still i'm like mm. oh wow but um now i live in Baltimore, which is a majority black city. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's so much depends on where you are in the States, right? Like yeah. it, it's so much of it depends on that. So yeah, because I'm going to tell you, I definitely suffer from I have to get out of here. I hate it here. It's awful here. I'm tired of it here. Like there's nothing here. We are a creative family. This is like not it. And, and, and I still feel that way kind of now, cause I still live here, but it's funny because I get less weird comments now than I did 20 years ago. If that makes any sense, I'm sure it makes sense. Yeah. But I recently had an experience. There was another mixed family growing up that went to the same school slash church and the eldest boy and my brother kind of look similar in that they're both the darkest ones. They both have green eyes and they both had lighter hair. Mm-hmm. And then, you know that's kind of it in terms of similarities between families outside of being in a, you know, a mixed race family. And so my brother was helping me do an event and this lady's like, Oh my gosh. And then says the last name of the other family. Oh no. We're like, Nope, that's not us. Oh no. <laughs> but that hasn't happened in probably like 20 years. Right. So, and then of course, you know, she feels awful. She's embarrassed yeah. because we're not doing anything to make her feel better about it. Cause I just am not in that space anymore. Like we don't all look the same. And so, but then she did buy stuff. So it's like, well, I get, thank you for your white guilt money. I'll take it, which I don't know if it's the right <laughs> attitude to have, but like. She was as, so embarrassed enough to buy stuff. <laughs> man, as a white woman who has had white guilt, like, you know, purchases, I'm like, just use it. Like, yeah. just like yes, thank you. I will take your money. Like, yeah, because it helps. It makes a difference. You know, <laughs> that 10 bucks may, will make a difference. That is money I can pay towards my taxes we'll and my business. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that will alleviate all the shame that is carried. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, what a mess. So- the things that you love about, you know, where you grew up, anything? We, so there's a couple of things about my childhood that are, that are universal in this community that are really, really cool. And one of them is there was this fella, he was a busker. He was known as Kid Guitar and he would sit on the corner. We have this main thoroughfare in our town called McHenry Avenue. It's also a state highway. And he would sit on the corner of McHenry Avenue and Sylvan Avenue, and he would play his guitar, and his van was decked out. It was like kid guitar, and everybody knew who he was, and he was really freaking talented. 
but whether or not I like I couldn't tell you if he had a real job I couldn't tell you if he lived out of his van but everybody knew who Kid Guitar was and that was really cool and like just the ability for him to sort of like exist in the way that he wanted to was cool or I'm assuming it's the way he wanted to there was another busker Delanor who would sing and she'd ride her bike downtown and just sing and you know can I sing you a song for a dollar and there's speculation on whether or not her life was tragic or what the situation was between her and the man that biked around with her that sort of sort of stayed in the shadows but she had this incredible singing voice there was only three songs that she would sing she never sang anything outside of those three songs, but she was a downtown staple to the point that during COVID, there was a rumor going around that she died. So she found someone in Walmart to make a video to post online to be like, I, I am not dead. Oh my you cannot take me out. <laughs> Sadly, she did pass away. She had ovarian cancer. Oh. I do know that she was probably spent more time unhoused than housed. So it was really, it really was sad when she died. The whole city felt that. Oh. And then this isn't a person. This is a thing. There's this house. So Modesto was settled in like the 1850s, I think. Okay. And we really exploded in the 1880s when they brought the train station in. And right. so we have a lot of Victorian style homes still. Well, a lot. I say a lot, but really there's only a handful. And okay. one of them is on the corner of Tully and Orangeburg. And for decades this house has been vacant people have bought it they've tried to renovate it and then like things just kept happening so we some of us who believe that ghosts and spirits live among us were like the house is haunted in a way that we will never understand because no one is meant to be developing that home and there's like multiple types of pictures out there like people who relocated here even picked up on the fact of like hey this is interesting like what's up with that house kind of it's situation a things house don't yes. Bring it is yeah. yes and it's very clearly built in the victorian era because of the style and the design recently i think it's a one of those development groups bought it uh, and they posted the renderings of what they're gonna do to renovate it and everyone's like no <laughs> Absolutely not. And so a friend of mine and I have a bet on whether or not it'll actually happen because again, no one's been able to successfully like own this property for yeah. long periods of time to do yeah. anything of value to it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we have that in our town here too. Like, you know, like the house will not be changed. Yes. <laughs> like the Winchester house, like just like weird or something, right? It's got its yeah. own entity. So that small town way of life, like that you just kind of painted that I think really resonates with me having grown up in a small town, you know, you and I both share a love of Anne of Green Gables. Yeah. And I always thought it was kind of dorky personally. <laughs> yeah. And us dorks, but because it's so sweet and so earnest, but like, there's something about it that is so like transcendent, I think, mm -hmm. and, you know, I, I wanted to move to Prince Edward Island, but we didn't have like, you know, I'm, I was born in the seventies. So we didn't have at that time, like when I was reading it and watching the movies, you know, on PBS, when they came out, we didn't have the internet like we have now you know we didn't have social media so I had to like go to the library and look at like encyclopedias and like books yeah. to find out what it was even like but but we also had a cast of characters and I think that's the thing with Anna Green Gables is like yes she she is like a heroine especially for a lot of us kind of dorky nerdy girls mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. up or quiet you know and, and feisty 
but like there was this cast of characters too. So you had those in your town. I had them in mine. You know, we had, uh, you mentioned the buskers. We had a guy Mm -hmm. named Charles Beck, who was an artist and he was the only artist I had ever known. And so he would walk around town with this easel and he would like paint en plein air, you know? Oh, I love that. Yeah. But he never spoke to anybody. He mm-hmm. wore like cap. He always dressed kind of funny and he always just kind of walked around. I was like, what a weirdo. But also there's <laughs> something so about him, right? Like, yeah. but that was my first introduction to like art and artists, like beyond yeah. the books. Like I knew his mom, his mom babysat us. She was ran Sunday school at the church. And, um, but they were such like an interesting cast of characters and just like yours. And so I think yeah. that's like kind of like the small town thing. Yeah. And I think they can exist in a way where it's like, there's a level of like acknowledgement, right? Like when I go into San Francisco, there's a whole host of just uniqueness happening. Right. And you know, there's a guy that, I don't know if he's still there. I haven't been into the city in a while, but there's a guy that lives in the bush and they're like more of a tourist attraction. And like, people are just like, oh yeah, they exist. But like with the loss of Delanor, there was like a true everyone felt it in the community, right? Like when we first had the fake alarm of her passing, everyone was like, this is tragic. I can't believe this. And then she did the video and we're like, that's our girl. Can't keep a good woman down. And then when she did finally, I mean, she got a write up in the newspaper. There was like, I think her daughter did a GoFundMe for her to try and help with like funeral expenses. And there's just this sort of like cloak of community around it that doesn't always exist when you do have a bigger bigger city. I will say Modesto is basically a big, small town. So we're technically the hundredth largest city in the U S but it doesn't feel that way because a lot of our community is like I said, ag. And so there is a hidden community, if you will, that doesn't necessarily interact in the same way. And it's just really interesting how like these three elements are pretty much universal and tie us all together, regardless of which side of town we live in or which part of the county we live in. Yeah. I think Baltimore is a lot like that because we are a severely underpopulated city. And so there are certain players in the city. So I live just outside in our community, thinking about these people like the Charles Mm -hmm. Becks, you know, uh, all of these people. And I'm like, people talk about my husband and I in a way they're like, oh, there goes those Coopers. And I'm like, Oh my God, are we them? Like, that's wild to think about. Yeah, totally. Um, I wanted to get back to something we were talking about earlier because we just kind of dove right in. I know. I was like, it's fine. But, you know, we were talking about is being these artists, being in these communities where we're not exactly connected to major industries that we we work in, right? That our skill sets are in, quite frankly. I want to pull up an interview that you did with Canvas Rebel, because I want to talk about the challenges, I Mm, think, of mm -hmm. (laughs) being in these smaller environments, smaller ponds, if you will. And you said, I became a mom at a really young age, which kind of dictated my career path as my community didn't offer much in the way of opportunities. Mm -hmm. After years of forcing myself to fit into a business model that just doesn't work for me, I understand that too. Yeah. Uh, I finally acknowledged that I needed more to grow, not only as an employee, but as a person. And the restrictions that come with working for a company were no longer a thing I could get into. And so I think so many of us can relate to that experience of feeling restricted, especially if we were caregivers to kids 
Mm-hmm. Or you were a young mom, or I, I guess to anyone really, like a partner. You know, I have a lot of people now in my life who are caring for elderly parents. So why? <laughs> it's a loaded question. I know. I'm not going to get through it, but it's okay. Why do they, by that I mean the American system, always put so much pressure on us? Like I'm feeling this pressure. I mean, we talked about it at the beginning. Like it's I, just too much. Yeah. And I think for me, like the pressure was a little different than my peers. Cause all of my friends quite literally had children when they were 30, like the way you're quote supposed to. So they had careers under their belts. They had, you know, a little bit more to stand on. I literally was a junior college dropout, not a college dropout, junior college dropout. Let's, uh, I went to junior college too. There's nothing wrong with going there to junior college. Junior college. But, but like getting the connections that we had talked right. about. No, no, no. It wasn't like, and, and I kind of wish I had gone to a junior college in a different city Um, rather than my own, because it felt like an extension of high school where it was just like, Oh, I know all of you people from high, like there, the only difference was, is that nobody gives a shit if you go to class, but like, you know, I was 19 when I got pregnant 20, when I had my son, the only skill I really had was working at a deli counter. And then I worked at a deli counter too. Oh my, oh my gosh, Jennifer, we're kindred spirits. We are. Um, and so like, everyone was just like, this is what you have to do. Even though clearly my entire life I had spent doing like theater and writing and like creating and like, clearly my destiny was not supposed to be stuck behind a desk. Like I've never functioned well. I think the only reason why I could survive high school was because of my literature and journalism classes, because walking into those sort of gave me the expression I needed in history too. But you know, so I mean, my son was two months old. And my mom was like, here's an accounting class that you need to take so you can like get a real job. And I was like, sure, sounds great. And I did it. And then I hated it. And so then it just turned into all of this. This is what you have to do. There was no acknowledgement of like what skill set or strength I already had. You need to get a job that has health insurance. You need to get a job that has benefits. You need to get, you know, and so I chased all of that for years and I spent a lot of time doing what we are told to do, which is get your foot in the door and they'll reward you. And it would take so long. So like every part-time job at the County I could find, I would take. And then when they're like, okay, we're so glad with your work, we figured out how to make you full-time so you can get benefits. All that extra work that they gave me was essentially a step down, right? Like for example, I was the director of volunteer services for a number of years and to make me full-time, they're like support this other program but I was answering phones for that other program and there's nothing wrong with answering phones. Somebody has to do it, but to go from 32 hours a week running a program to eight hours a week, in addition to that, answering phones and being a secretary and an admin assistant, it's those two things aren't the same thing. I think the other thing too, is like for some people, like answering phones is great because they don't want to do anything more. Like they are not interested and yeah, of course, like good, but like, it seems like it's just like a waste of your time and talents. It it felt very much like, why is it for me to be able to be a full-time employee with health insurance, you have to add a completely second job to my role. Right. And, and it was constantly like that type of scenario happened to me constantly. And it just got to the point where I was just like, I'm tired of, cause then two years would pass. And then it's like, oh, I need to, I'm going to start looking for another job because this is ridiculous. Like I'm so tired. And then I'm tired of starting that job in a part-time position Proving that I'm a valuable employee only to be told the only way I can be full-time is by this weird little hoop. 
And I know that's not everybody's story, but for some reason I got trapped into this weird time warped universe where like, I just wasn't getting forward in life. Right. Like I went to college, finished my education, went to graduate school because all the jobs I wanted to do were requiring graduate degrees. Couldn't get a single job. I actually wanted, couldn't even get an interview especially this year, because in 2016, I was let go from a job in in June. And so that kind of did a weird chemistry in my brain. So then I struggled to find work. And then I found work. Two years later, I get let go from a job again in June. So then I'm like, okay, what is wrong with June? (laughs) (laughs) But maybe there's something. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, And then fast forward to 2023. And my department gets eliminated in June. So then I'm just like, I'm tired. I can't do this anymore. Nobody wants what I have to offer. Right. I I can't force you. And I don't subscribe to the we'll work harder to prove yourself. No, you hired me. You hired me. So that's my proof that I deserve the job. (laughs) Like I have a resume. I have examples. Like I shouldn't have to continue to prove it once I've been hired. Like proof is in the pudding and it turned into like I would come up with these ideas and like pitch them and they're like oh that's great but that's not really for us so then it just turned into like well what am I doing oh my because I left a job yeah I left a job for this job and I left that job because they told me well we probably won't have a supervisor position for five years and I was like well I don't have five years to sit around doing supervisory work and not getting compensated for it like that's just a waste that's just a waste so I'll go find the title and the money did and then they were like well actually we decided we don't want it and you're just like I don't know what is wrong with me but see that's the thing I don't think there's anything wrong with you because well okay whatever is wrong with you then I have the same problem (laughs) we suffer from the same affliction you know what it is it's being creative. It's understanding that things can be done better. Mm-hmm. It's understanding that the systems that are in play are toxic or unhealthy or unnecessary. Yeah, I I, I have had the same problems. I have built whole companies. Like I have mm-hmm. built companies that had celebrity clients and like made, you know, national, like big time national publications. Yeah. I have built things from like nothing. And yeah, I cannot get an interview for even a junior associate job. And my I, clock is ticking, my friend. I am 47 years old. Yeah. I am way too quote unquote old. Like when I put mm-hmm. on like the year I graduated from college, I like left that off for the longest time thinking, oh, I can game the system. And they're like, no, right. no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I actually, I broke back into the workforce when I was 40, like the traditional conventional. Yeah. Y'all were working, right? Like we're working. Yeah. And I I broke back in and I fell into a, a, I didn't know enough about the group that I was working with. Like I didn't know enough Mm. about the industry. Like I knew enough about my industry and communications and like, you know, marketing and all of that type Mm -hmm. of storytelling, but I didn't know enough about the bigger industry. Right. And I didn't realize how archaic Mm. (laughs) it was. Yeah. And I like, I remember I I had just come from this working for a group that was, I was very entrepreneurial. I was given a lot of freedom, a lot of leeway. It was awesome because that's where the magic happens, right? When you have these new ideas. And I went in, I was like, oh, okay. So maybe we could do this. And, you know, just testing, probing the waters. And my boss, like, 
at the end of week one, he came in and he was just like pissed off at me because I wrote a blog post that I had worked on with somebody else and didn't give him. I gave it to the person I was assigned to work on it with. Oh gosh. Are you going rogue? And I'm like, what? I've been here one week. (laughs) So it's that type of thing where like, I, I recently read this quote from somebody who was like, like, I'm not a good employee because I actually want to do good work. Yeah. Cause it's like, it's like, this is, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, and I don't want to like crap on people who are like doing jobs and industries and they're like completely aligned for that. Mm -hmm. But some of us can't do the same type of structure, like the sacrifice. And I do see it as a sacrifice now because I stayed in Modesto because family was here and I knew it would be hard to raise a child by myself. And for that, I do have this human who's well-rounded and has a great relationship with all of his grandparents and like is, you know, as healthy as he can be for having me as a mother. And I don't say that in a self-deprecating way, but like we've had some serious hurdles where I'm just like, well, that's going to be a thing you're going to talk about in therapy. And that's fine because I have things too. But now being an empty nester, it's just like, holy buckets. I don't even like, I have nothing to show for investing in what the societal structure says women need to invest in. And that's your family and your children, because I did that, but nobody cares. Nobody cares that I successfully launched a child into a four-year college, which apparently is like the dream to do and breaks stereotypes when you're a single parent. Like nobody cares that I was able to keep a human alive. (laughs) 18 years, 19 now, but he's in, you know, second year of university. So it's just one of those things where I'm just like, I left a job because I was making $11 an hour when he was six or seven. And my raise, my annual raise was five cents. Oh, geez. And I had lost where we were living, which was a very comfortable situation that was going to allow me to finish school with little to no debt. And, you know, work a job that was paying $11 an hour, we were in a situation, you know, that point of privilege that wasn't afforded to my grandparents, we lost that situation, which sent me down a path of like, I got to earn as much money as I can, which was not easy, because it's like, well, you're in college, do you have time? Oh, you're a single parent, do you have time? And it's just like, don't worry about my fucking time. Did I get my job done? Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Did I deliver? Yes. (laughs) Right. Yes. I delivered. And I feel like I've worked with you now as, as one of the contributors for the magazine. And it's like, you over deliver, right? Thank you. You over deliver. And I, I think there are so many of us out there who are over delivering and I've been part of these groups, like these masterminds, you know, like you just got a, some formula, somebody's trying to sell, like do this, do this, do this. And you will be like a millionaire. And I'm like, I've done this and this and this, and I've spent so much money for you to tell me how to do it. And all I have is that loss of income. (laughs) Right. And that's the thing, like, oh man, I also kind of feel those things are predatory because I get those messages on LinkedIn where it's like, oh, do all these things. And like, do you not understand when I just said, like, I don't have expendable cash? It's like, people don't understand. They don't hear it. They're like, oh, sure. You totally can. And I'm like, my current plight right now is the student loan repayment because my mom and I kind of got into it. And she's like, well, are you not going to pay back your student loans? I'm like, with what money? I have one consistent contract and I'm launching a business. Like I'm doubling down and launching this business. Like 
they there's this assumption with the student loan repayment plans that you have expendable money because there's this belief that if you've gone to a four-year college or or even graduate school that you have which i have that you have a good job with good income and the number one thing that my very conservative friends like to say to me which is so gross is well you got a degree in a creative field so of course you don't have a real job and i'm just like i'm sorry what about me suggests that i should get an mba <laughs> i don't want to be like i mean you're welcome you're welcome that i got a creative job you're welcome yeah. do you enjoy music do you enjoy art do you enjoy reading books do you enjoy television do you enjoy you know all of these things you're effing welcome <laughs> you know and that's the thing where i'm just like i can't like every it's like this mentality of like everybody needs to do this structure so we can all end up like jeff bezos yeah and i'm like no, no 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 you have to exploit people to get to that point and i don't believe exactly. in exploitation in that way so right like... and so here we are doing the things to make systems healthier yeah and yet people say they want all this stuff right they say mm -hmm. they don't like the exploitation they say they don't like it but then i'm like but are we backing that up with our dollars are right. we backing that up with our you know behavior right if we aren't i mean i don't know i don't know i don't have a solution for that other than you know put your money where your mouth is but mm -hmm. I, I don't know it's very frustrating it's yeah. just very frustrating and i think we're all caught in a very frustrating system one in that we were told oh you know if you have a small business if you work hard mm -hmm. if you do all of these things you will quote unquote make it Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have known way too many successful, brilliant people who are struggling right now. Mm -hmm. I don't have a solution, but I'm just like, this isn't right. I know this is not right. Yeah. And I definitely have gone through variations of what does my business look like and what does, you know, freelancing look like. And I realized that I am better at like working with you is fantastic because it works within my skill set, right? Like right. right about what you are, what I'm most knowledgeable in. So that's nice. And I love doing that. But I used to like do freelance writing and I used to do freelance social media work and like all these things. And I was just like, I hate this. Mm. So what's the, what's, you know, what's the commonality there? Oh, I'm providing a service. I don't want to provide services. <laughs> I mean, like, I was convinced that I needed to provide services if I was going to be a successful freelancer. And now I'm like, that's not my strength because I don't want to be, I, I liked having the buffer when I did have full-time work of being like, well, you can defer to the CEO. Yeah. I am the CEO. You can't defer <laughs> to anybody but me. And I don't want to deal with you because your idea is bad and I'm not making that change. <laughs> you know? So I want to get into your business. I will say before we do that, I just identify so much. You and I are both building things, right? We're yeah. both building these businesses. We're both building these things that we want to see in the world. And not just that we want to see, but that, that make the world more beautiful, more healthy or healthier, mm -hmm. or like whatever. Right. But yeah, I fund everything through my, my freelance, like my side yeah. gigs of like doing websites for women that in, in video production, mm -hmm. this American dream. It's like, I don't know, man, but I do want to talk about on that beautiful light note. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just get into business. I want to talk about what you're doing now. So yes, you are a contributor to Jennifer Magazine. Thank you. Brilliant. I love all of your recommendations. Watch them all. Love them, love, love, love them. I love your podcast, but I also know that you are getting into, or you have this art business. So can you tell mm -hmm. me about that? Yeah. So in 2020, I 
picked up my paint set again because I was like, oh, everything hurts. It's everything hurt in 2020. Oh, yeah. Um, and then, you know, a friend of mine was like, ah, do I remember that you painted? And I was like, I barely remember that I painted because we're talking last century. And so she was like, people would probably buy this because my style is very much rooted in like body form and like everything is faceless. And really just highlighting like the variances of bodies because being mixed, it's really hard to find yourself and stuff, right? Yeah. Like a lot of our famous mixed actresses still, you would never know that they had a white parent, <laughs> um, which is fine, but it's hard to, when you're the lightest one in the family and you feel that it's like hard to find yourself. And it, you know, when in the winter months, it's like, I definitely could probably pass as a white person in California, not in the middle West for sure, but in California. And so I just started kind of doing commission work and just painting for fun and that wasn't a heavy part of it, but I did get a, a decent amount, like one or two commissions a month. And then in 22, I was like, you know, let's hit the pop-up circuit and like, let's see what we can do. That is where I discovered and was reminded that art is absolutely subjective and not everyone's going to buy your stuff. And like, I did an event where I didn't even recoup the investment for renting the booth. And I was like, oh, this sucks. So then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to kind of dabble with other things. And so I started painting greeting cards and started doing like fun, cheeky designs. You know, some of them were just, you know, simple stuff that my mom would like to buy. And then other things were like pop culture-y type of references. And then in 2023, when I lost <laughs> yet another job, <laughs> I had a really dark period where I was just like, what am I supposed to be doing? Like, I can't be renting for my parents forever. Like all of my friends own their homes, take vacations, can like support their children. And I'm like, can't turn on the heat, can't turn on the AC. <laughs> so I kind of worked through those emotions. And in October... I, I thought to myself, I'm going to just double down. I read all of these articles about all of these people who were successful. Shark Tank is another one that I don't watch it, but I watched the clips online. And a, the number one thing that people would say was like, well, I, I cashed out a retirement to start my business. And I was like, is that the secret? Is that how people get money who don't come from money to do this? And my friend was like, yeah, that's the secret. And I thought, okay, well, I don't have a ton of retirement because I've never consistently had a full-time job long enough to have retirement worth anything. So I'll do it. I'll cash out my retirement. I will make the investment to expand my business, to pay for the licensings that I need because where I am to go from services to product, different classifications, and just do, do the thing I need to do. And then... And then, of course, you have to like work on it's not going to be an overnight success. That is not real. <laughs> That's yeah. not real. It's going to take time. So I, I expanded from doing just greeting cards. And, and my I have a family member who's like, it's brilliant because you get hand painted greeting cards. So it's like affordable art. So like it makes art more accessible. And I was like, yes, because there are pieces that I love. And then people make prints of it. And the print is still $50. Just like, good for you. Great for you. Can't afford it. And so I expanded to do hand poured candles and other sort of design. I put designs on tote bags and glassware. And when I was sort of building this like expansion, I realized the through line is 
books and pop culture. Like that's the through line. As you know, as Jennifer knows, mm -hmm. I have podcasts about pop culture and books. Those are my babies. I love them. They keep me going and I wish they were more popular, but I was like, I can't start a product business without it making sense with my podcast business. Like it needs to be connect. Yeah. 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 And mm -hmm. they do. And then I did a soft launch in small business Saturday mm -hmm. and people responded really well to the product. And I thought, okay, like I'm going to take 2024 and just experiment. I'm going to find as many vendor events I can do, be in front of people and just see what happens and see if I can make it, make it work. Because every time I go out and do something whether it's a networking event or just socializing in a new way, I get new people in my life who end up being some kind of support in some way. And whether it's that they buy something or they recommend my stuff or they listen to the show. So for me, the secret sauce is, oh, I have to be in front of people. I need to like take away. I know I don't come off as an introvert. <laughs> that is not my vibe, but it truly is my vibe because I'm perfectly content never leaving the house. Like. When my son first went to university, I was like, this is great. Like, I haven't left the house in six days. I had a perfect weekend with my dog. We read, we watched TV, we ate all the good food. And then someone called me and they're like, hey, you want to hang out? And I was like, when's the last time I actually saw a human? <laughs> like, <laughs> so then as I was kind of built, like I said, as I was like, how do I expand my business? I thought I got to get in front of people. But the nice thing about doing vendor stuff is I can emotionally prepare for being in front of people. And it's different from a traditional work environment where it's like, God, I have to be on from eight to five around people I do not necessarily like. I have no choice yeah. on yeah. who my coworkers are, but I, cho I can choose what events I do and the people I interact with. And it's new people every time. And I thought, gosh, that just feels so much better and more in line with who I am and how I like to exist in the world. Yeah. So yeah, 2024 is going to be a big experiment. <laughs> I, you know what? I, I think this is so interesting because my husband's like, you're always me. I'm always just like ahead of the curve a bit. Like I'll say something and then it will come to pass. Like, a, I don't know. I, I always say that. I think I come from the types of people who would be like on the front lines, like listening mm -hmm. to the, the, the ground, like if it rumbles and they'll be like, Oh, somebody's coming. Right. So yeah. Bounce out. Right. There is going to be, I'll say it now. And if it doesn't come to pass, it doesn't matter. Um, yes. <laughs> there is going to be a movement. I know there is, cause I see it. I feel it. I hear it to move offline and into the real world again. I think so. I agree with you because so our small business Saturday event that happens in our city was canceled originally for 2023 mm -hmm. and people were devastated by it. Yeah. And then this group last minute decided to put it together. It was chaos. It was messy. It was stressful, <laughs> but the amount of people that turned out and like came by because they're like, Oh, I really wanted to see you. Or I really wanted a mm -hmm. hug or, you know, little things like that, where you're just like that connectivity is so beautiful and it just felt really good. And that at the end of the day, I didn't sell as much as I did in years past on Small Business Saturday. But what I did get was like that affirmation that we need to like be in shared space with each other. And it was so yeah. and that's that was what I was like, okay, now I have to find every community I can be in. <laughs> right? Um, because it just felt so good. It just felt it so does. good. It and does. There's all these studies that talk about like, hey, we need community because if you live alone, being lonely, being alone is like 
you know, shortens your lifespan and like all these things. And I think those studies are so interesting. So I'm like, have you studied somebody who like literally is okay not leaving the house? Because I want it. I really am convinced I'm going to live to 100. <laughs> but at the same time, the way that I get filled up by being in person and actively making those choices, like I have a really big week ahead of me and I made the decision not to do something earlier in the week because I was like, I know that for like 11 days straight, I'm engaging with people so I need to build up my reserve as much as possible yeah, for sure. you can't you can't do that when you have a nine-to-five you can't do that when you're forced to work whether outside of the home right. or in the home because you're still on in a certain way so it just feels really good to be able to fuel myself in the way that I need emotionally and like I said the 2024 experiment is whether or not I can get away with it financially <laughs> yeah well you know I hope you will I mean, I'm rooting for you, <laughs> but yeah, I think that's what I've been doing too, is trying to build this where I'm not trying. I am. Yeah, you are truly. So, you know, it's this idea of like, we don't have to compete with one another. We don't have mm -hmm. to have those toxic relationships. We can be supportive of each other, truly supportive, not lip service, not like mm -hmm. I will support you if it's, this is a transactional relationship, right? I, I do hope people pay you. <laughs> you well, know, for, for the art, but, but this is something that's, it's not just a transactional relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it was more meaningful. Like, did I love making sales on small business Saturday? hundred percent. But yeah. like I said, I didn't have as many sales, but what really did feel more fulfilling was people connecting and like, just, Oh, how can I find you? Like, are you online? Like, let's stay in touch. Like that kind of stuff just felt so good. So even though it was a really long day and I didn't, hit the sales goal I wanted to, I still walked away super satisfied. And that's, I can't say that's true in my previous lives as an employee. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope that the, the U S system catches up to providing some blanket, like services for people like healthcare and things like that, so that we can shine again. I mm -hmm. mean, so that we can all do well. Will that happen in my lifetime? I don't know. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> but Lord but, willing, Lord willing, Lord if you willing, believe in the Lord, Lord yes, I don't, but I love you. saying Lord willing, <laughs> but speaking of your cards, I love them. I love Thank your you. candles too. I love that your candles are all based on books, which yeah. I just, I love, I can so see them in like, I mean, last time I went to New York, we were in, was it Bergdorf Goodman? Is that it? The, the very mm -hmm. fancy one. And I was like, yeah, I could, I could see them in there, you know, like I could see like this in different color. Like it just, it was, yeah, so, yeah. Um, so yeah, so people, so they can buy them. Where can they find you? Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram and I do want to make a plug. I do have a yeah. candle called green Gables. <laughs> Speaking of our love of Anne. <laughs> I'm glad you fit that in there. Yeah. <laughs> it smells so good. I'm burning it right now, actually. I was like, What's gosh, like? I'm like, it smells like if you're, you know how Marilla in the movie is always cooking yes. and baking. Yes. So I was like, I need to make it feel like you're warm and cozy deliciousness and we're going to have pie or like the bread pudding without the bread pudding because she forgot to put the cheesecloth on the cover. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. And the mouse was in it or the rat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's got like this apple pie-ish type of, but not too much apple. And there's like sense of like, if someone's baking. What's your, what's your Royal holiday one? That one is definitely Christmassy. So okay. it has the strongest note is blue spruce mm -hmm. and it definitely smells like a Christmas tree. <laughs> 
I'm going to say it's wintry so that you could burn it all season long. Yeah. You need to just stop at Christmas for these beautiful scents. So that's true. That's good. That's true. And yeah, everyone is inspired by a book or a character in a book. Like I've been working on my little women series. And then I also had to come to the, I had to come to the reckoning and reminder that all of the books that have a lot of women who are sort of free in them are all white women. Cause when I started trying to make book candles for women that I loved that were in books by black authors, I was like, all of this is drama. Oh yeah. Like this is so heartbreaking, but I am online. My Instagram is the Julia Washington, but my website is juliawashingtonproductions.com and you can buy the candles, the cards, and other things, the glassware I don't put on the website because shipping it's kind of, I'm not like, com- like, you know, it shipping glass. Great. Yeah. And I, sent out, I sent out gift packages for the people who couldn't make it to our, our launch event. I, I put together these beautiful boxes and nothing in it was fragile, but apparently the post office like destroyed a bunch oh. of, the only like half of a thing went and it was like, we're sorry that your package like, and it's like, oh gosh. Oh so yeah, so don't, don't ship. Yeah. 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 I, I, I was like, I don't feel confident enough yet. And like, I don't have the resources. So the glassware is something you can only get if you find me at a pop-up mm-hmm. and some of the card designs aren't online because they're like one of a kind unique. And I do a story sale on Fridays, usually in my Insta. So that way if people who are like, Oh, I don't really want to pay. Like I think you get a shipping discount. <laughs> story sale because it's not through my website system so it's like it's like oh you only have to pay two dollars in shipping versus like seven (laughs) yeah 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 well it's nice it's a nice little discount so yeah all right anything else that you want people to know before you know we sign off I think you know if somebody in your life is a creative and they're trying something support them because it means the world I cry every time someone is like, sends me a DM about something that they bought for me that they like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like somebody bought a card at small and they put it in their classroom and they're like adding to the art wall. And I was like, okay, well now I'm weeping. (laughs) I do not think Jeff Bezos weeps when people make a purchase. I don't think the Walton family weeps when you buy from Walmart. No, you want us weeping. Yeah. And I feel like, People who really feel like, oh, I'm, you know, I appreciate the convenience of Walmart and Amazon, but also what's wrong with our culture. And like, if they're feeling conflicted, support your smaller artists because that's, they do so much more for the community than I think some of the bigger corporations do. Yes. Like you could argue all of the things that, and no philanthropic things those companies do but also I feel like they were bullied into it because of all the heinous things they've done (laughs) I mean look I I do shop on Amazon so I'm not like a one into I'm not like a right right I definitely definitely make think that we there's there's lots of options in front of us yeah let's explore them and support the people who are out there doing yeah doing really great things so because if we wait until somebody is already big it's not the same like it means so much when somebody's starting out and someone else is like I've shared their post or I made a small purchase or I've joined the mailing list like it's so valuable and I think it helps give that person motivation because I I kid you not when I said the overnight success thing is a thing I have to work my brain out of because when I launched the website and didn't get any sales, it was like, Oh my God, I have to quit. Nobody wants it. And it's like, no, ma'am. Like you literally launched your business a month ago. Calm down. <laughs> like It takes time. You. It does take time. It takes time. 
It takes time. I just want to thank you so much for, for coming on, for, for yeah. chatting with me, for yeah. being so wonderful. So thank you. Everybody thank you. can uh, go buy Julia's wares. They're beautiful. The cards are great. Everybody wants a handwritten note. I mean, when I get a handwritten note in the mail, I'm like, oh my God, like it it's feels so, so amazing. Yeah. It's so amazing. So go do that. Support your local artists and um, yeah, check out Julia's uh, writings in jennifermag.com. So, and I just also have to say, Jennifer, I'm so grateful to you for like the Jennifer Mag. Because yeah. I feel like, yeah, because I feel like it's it's such a great thing. Every time I share something um, on social, people comment in my DMs. So it's being positively received. And I am just grateful for the outlet to like keep my writing chops in that way going because I write for the podcast, but it's not the same. It's a script. I'm just really grateful for the opportunity is what I'm trying oh, well, to say. Thank you. You're amazing. Many, many, many thanks to Julia Washington. You can find her on Instagram at the Julia Washington, and if you're in the Modesto area, at a pop-up event. As for us, you can find us on Instagram at Jennifer underscore magazine and jennifermag.com, where you'll find insightful, thought-provoking articles, essays, content, all about living a lifestyle with some wisdom on it. Do you like that callback? Mm. This podcast is edited by Carrie M. If you like this podcast, subscribe, share it, leave a lovely review. It'd mean the world to us. And with that, I'll say, until next time. <laughs>